I know he's portrayed and shows up as a bad guy, especially with the way that Aaron throws the punch at the punching bag, and it looks like Miles. I thought is just he was dead. Done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was so scary to me. I was like, "What in the world?" Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Other Brothers Podcast, the show where two best friends give their thoughts and opinions on any and all consumable content out there in the world. I'm John. And I'm Colin, and we are your hosts. And today, we are talking about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. So many Spider-Men. It's all the Spider-Men. It's so many Spider-Men. If you are afraid of spiders, this might not be the episode for you, but it's also... Well, don't don't worry. These, these are people dressed as spiders, so be okay. not afraid. So if you're afraid Except of... for the terrifying... Spoilers! Universe go home machine, because that thing's horrifying. Yo, yeah, it is. So yeah, we're going to be talking about Across the Spider-Verse, the newest Sony Spider-Man movie that just came out a few weeks ago. And we're going to kind of get into why we liked it, the different things that we thought about it and all of that. But before we do that, I want to do a couple of things. First, we did not ever make an episode about Into the Spider-Verse, the first movie in this soon-to-be oh, eventually yeah, trilogy. So, um, Good on us. I know normally we'll do an episode and then at the end of that episode we'll give a rating on a movie. But I just want to, real quick, what were your, like... Two sentence thoughts on Into the Spider-Verse before we talk about Across the Spider-Verse. Um, oh, man. I have to think on the spot on this one. You're welcome. So you're I didn't get, tell you we were doing this. You did not tell me we were doing this. I'm so glad see, that you gave yourself the prep time. That's exciting. I didn't think much about it either. It was just kind of a right now. I'm, I'm like, oh, following. we should talk about I, this. It is just, one of the most innovative animated films ever um agreed definitely like the next age of animation and the story the characters and the way that they turn like big story moments into small little details on the screen yeah um and i think it's one of the best comic adaptations not that it's a true adaptation but it's one of the most if you were to take a comic book and press it onto a tv that's what this would be like like into the yeah. spider verse was very much a comic come to life the scene where he's having a panic attack and uh running around with the birds and trying to figure out what's all going on mm-hmm. or, awesome. or even even from the segment where they show the marvel logo and it goes into the action comics logo um i was sold i was hooked yeah five, um five out of five what, what about you what are your two-ish sentences i mean about... <laughs> i think into the spider verse is so cool i think it's incredibly well done like you said the animation style in that movie is like something that we haven't ever seen before so going into this movie i was so interested to see how they were gonna up the ante make it bigger make it better make it more than the first movie because i knew like, because we talked about Into the Spider-Verse a little bit in one of our top fives. I think that was the non-MCU, non-DC mm-hmm. superhero movie that one that we did. Um, and it was, like, your number one. Or it's yep. really up there for you because it's one of I'm your favorite. I'm pretty it's, sure, I'm pretty sure it's, it's one of your favorite movies ever, right? So I, I We'll do that top five at some point. Yeah. But it bounces around number two as, my favorite, or as one of my favorite movies of all time ever. Cool. Uh, um, and now with this movie being out, spoilers... Who knows? 
I was going to say, I was, I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on this movie because I know how much you love the first one. I think it's incredible, though. I'd give it a 5 out of 5 as well, the first one. So, especially for five years ago when it came out. But yeah, the anticipation for this one was very large for me. So, so basically, what, what we're trying to say in these few minutes of rambling about Into the Spider-Verse before talking about Across the Spider-Verse is, spoilers, <laughs> we're just going to gush about Across the Spider-Verse for the next, I don't know, 45 minutes? I don't know, man. Maybe I hated it. Yeah? It's, it could happen. I sure <laughs> it could have happened we'll see uh it's fine um, all right then i'll start because uh we'll, we'll just actually no one one sentence summary we do yep. that for all our movie yep, yep, reviews yep. and then we'll dive into whether okay. or not you hated it cool uh am i going first with the summary yeah, okay go go first e, i like when you go first it gives me more time to think um Okay, huh. yeah, I'm not prepped this time for a sentence. I was trying to think of one earlier, too, and I really couldn't. Um, honestly, it's kind of going to be based off of what we said we should name this episode, because for our <laughs> episodes, we always name them just the name of the movie or the top five um, category we're doing, right? But <laughs> we were like, we should just name it like, ah, spiders. Uh, so kind of just want to give that as my one sentence summary. <laughs> ah, spiders. Okay, uh, good. Plus I men. could have used the entire time that you were talking to prep, and I chose to not. Mm -hmm. uh, one sentence summary of this movie. Hey, no. bad. Can I? Sorry, go ahead. You first, and I'll I'll revise mine. Go okay. first. Hey, bad Spider-Man fans. Miles Morales is Spider-Man. Deal with it. And that goes for you too, Miguel. <laughs> there you go great i love that um no but my my follow-up better sentence i think is going to be what dr strange multiverse of madness should have been yeah but wasn't <laughs> you know it, it's really funny that like you know movies kind of go through a like a trend like zombie movies were really popular mm -hmm. and then um alien movies were really popular and westerns yeah. were really popular and right now, like, multiverse films are really popular. All over the place. It's crazy. And it's all at the same time. It is. But this might be one of the best ones ever. Yeah. I think so. And uh, to dive into, again, us gushing about this movie for 45 minutes and figuring out if John actually liked or did not like this movie. I'm within just going to act seconds, all gruff and angry the whole time we talk about <laughs> it. I'm just going to do heavy size. It's going to be great. We're not going to... So I'm business just... as usual. Yeah. Uh, so the first five seconds of this film, uh, Gwen Stacy's universe and her intro, the, the watercolors, goosebumps and tears. It, I was so told. cool. It was amazing. so cool. I actually did want to talk about her, her universe a little bit. So I'm glad that you brought it up right off the bat. So first off, I love Haley Seinfeld. I love that mm -hmm. she is Gwen Stacy in this universe because I love her as Kate Bishop in the MCU. I think it's awesome that she gets to do both in very different ways. But um, in an interview that I had seen after I saw the movie, she originally, when she was recording her part for this movie, was told that in order for her to get a grasp of what her world is, they said, think of a mood ring because it's very based on your emotions. All the colors that happen only happened based on like what the characters are feeling in the different moments. And I didn't know that the first time I saw the movie, but going in the second time, cause I've seen it twice. I paid extra special attention to it because I was like, so focused on that 
seeing the beginning of this movie and you could really see why mood ring is like the best way to describe that world because oh, it's yeah. very accurate i think i'm gonna have to pick up a couple issues of uh gwen stacy's spider-verse comic books mm-hmm. because if they look as good as this film did just in the way that the the colors on the screen completely change based off the the context of, of mm-hmm. what's going on uh even down to the colors of like shadows Oh, yeah. and, and and things on the screen and like the use of like framing and 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 just the raw emotional feel yeah now I want to go back and rewatch into the spider-verse again just to imagine or j- just to watch the that film through the lens that she went from that kind of universe to this one yeah you know that's cool and that's see really how her cool. character like fits into it mm-hmm um, I do want to throw out there because we didn't say it and we always forget to say it. Um, we are going to be talking about this movie in depth, so there will be spoilers. Oh, no, no, I said spoilers. Yeah, I didn't know right, if that right was for everything or if it was just That's... that one little thing, but nah, um, for everything. we will ruin the movie for you <laughs> if you haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. So please go watch it, then come listen. Or learn about it all here first if you don't like surprises. <laughs> hey, look, we, we are the podcast of... You, you've seen the film, you've heard everybody else talk about it, a couple weeks have gone by, and now you're going to listen to spoilers, but also eh, be laid back if you want. Yeah, enjoy. Um, so yeah, one of the moments in particular that like has that big mood ring effect is, I don't know if you remember it, I know you've seen it once, is the part where um, her and her dad are fighting, and he says are you too punk rock to give your dad a hug? And she runs over and hugs him and immediately like this warm red color just slowly, slowly expands on the screen around. That's a really cool moment of seeing that effect in effect (laughs) for lack of a better way to say that. (laughs) For sure. That and uh, when he's arresting her and the Um, darkness and the black and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. But, but especially going from when I, Spider-Woman and uh, Miguel show up mm-hmm. and, and it turns into this, you know, big action set piece with one of the coolest looking villains ever. We'll, we'll get to the villain of this movie, but that <laughs> vulture. Yeah. So cool. I, I would have cool. loved to have seen like what that Spider-Man looked like. Yeah. Right. Like a Da Vinci-esque Spider-Man would have been cool mm-hmm. for sure. Definitely. Uh, yeah. And very quickly in this movie, we meet Miguel O'Hara. Let's just talk about Miguel for a minute. Cause, yeah, speaking of villains. Um, he's <laughs> terrifying, but so cool. I feel like we didn't learn enough about him, deliberately, but we didn't learn enough about him. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, like, so he's a werewolf spider? Is he... what? Huh? I don't know. He's like half vampire, half Spider-Man, but he injects himself with his powers, and I don't understand how that works or what's going on with all of the science of that, but he's cool, and Oscar and Isaac terrifying. is phenomenal, and I love Oscar well, as Isaac always. so yeah. much. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all in. Um, this movie, in general, does a really good job of making you struggle to pick a side. Not between, like, the spot and Miles, but, like, Miles and then this whole initiative to save the multi- like the whole multiverse, right? And make these canon events happen. And obviously, like, main goal is to side with Miles because he's the protagonist and they want you to be on his side. But it really is a big question of, is one person 
more important than that entire universe. Hmm. That's Sorry, an interesting that, way of thinking about it. I know that was a big jump. No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, we, about. I mean, we can we can dive into that for sure. Because I've been seeing a, a lot of different people talking about like, uh, well, we'll we're this is going to be a podcast of jumping around. So just get ready for just unhinged topic changes mm-hmm. and things being brought up. Um, it really does show though, people who like can see right through that whole thing like like miguel's logic from my opinion is just flawed and and it's proven to be flawed twice in this movie uh three times actually because you have peter b parker with his kid uh gwen's dad choosing not to become captain um and there was one other one but anyway that like you you have oh the the uh, uh oh what's his name words you're doing great i'm trying the uh the hindi spider-man oh the indian spider-man yeah Yeah, i know who you're talking about um Um, i'm awful with names i when when uh the captain in that universe survives as well as his girlfriend Mm -hmm. uh you know that was a canon event that wasn't supposed to happen so the fact that like everybody just blindly trusts Miguel is uh, like such a unique like nope he's right he came up with this thing and then you have people like uh, Spider Punk and uh, is it Cyber Spider the um it's yeah it's something like that I uh, like helping him get home mm-hmm. you know choosing to not you know shut the sequence down and all that because you have people that just blindly trust the system that's in that is going on. And then another have other people that look and go, nope, that's that's not right. Mm-hmm. And that split is, I mean, that's that's the whole film right there. No, it is. Yeah. It's a very it's a very big moral. Like, are you trying to be morally sound, or are you being objective in this and just trying to do what the like the quote unquote greater good, right? And it's a big battle. It's a like a mental battle to navigate because. Yes, we want to save that one person. That's the whole point of Spider-Man. He's that friendly neighborhood guy who's there for the little guy. He's there to help out with not the overly worldly things usually, right? Um, Miguel O'Hara, though, experienced a very different thing. He didn't have a family. He wanted a family. He saw this other world with a Miguel O'Hara that died, and he took that place. And because of that, that entire universe crumbled, including his daughter that he technically stole but because of that, he's like, I don't want other entire worlds to vanish. So in his no. mind, I get what he's saying. But that is if he's telling the truth. Sure. What makes you think he's not? Uh, he he's so cagey about I'm right. This is like this logic is not flawed. It, it's just a little too blindly trust what I'm saying. And I'm right. You, you know what I mean? Like, there's no verifi- verifiable source to what he said. It's just, hey, I was the first person to do this universe jumping. I set this thing up. I'm right. I'm right. It, at least that's how, like, it, it read to me. Felt to me? Okay. I mean, yeah, and that's just because he's alpha male dominating presence and that's <laughs> totally fair i i just mean i think from his perspective oh from his perspective the, he thinks he's right 
Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, they show a glimpse of why he's right when they do go to Mumbatan, which is the India slash Manhattan world, which I think is so cool to see. But because that canon event is disrupted, it creates this dark, like this black hole that is sucking in the entire universe. And they have to figure out how to stop that. I am curious about the technology of stopping that from happening because they don't go into a lot of detail on that. No. It's just a bunch of Spider-Men <laughs> with these little poles that apparently can stop it. And I would love to know more as to how that works because I yeah. have no idea. And speaking of tech in this movie, the way that they show Miguel as somewhat untrustworthy and somewhat uh, of, a, of an antagonizing or definitely as an antagonizing presence with like his uh the way his computers are all set up with the, the jagged spiky uh design of of everything yeah. and, and especially like the the tech that he builds aside from the bracelets all has a very like coarse and and jagged nature to it yeah you know so like even from like a visual standpoint it's like hey mm-hmm. this guy might not be good yeah i have no idea what to expect moving forward i mean clearly he's on the bad side right now because he's trying to stop miles from saving his dad but who the heck knows which you know, well, well again jumping topics miles's family in this movie not that they were bad in the first movie because they were great in the first movie and had some of you know some of the best lines they felt so much more like a family in this. oh yeah like it felt I, I don't know what the right word is because like i said the the family in the first movie is very very real and very good. Yeah. But this one, it feels so much more lived in, you know? Yes. They feel closer. They feel more like a family, which I think this story-wise in this movie, like the whole idea of what I feel like you're supposed to get out of this movie is family is important. Friends are important. That should be the priority. And this movie does a good job of showing that. Um, Oh, yeah. Between the very beginning where Miles is really struggling to like get to where he needs to be, get to that meeting about his future and how he's mm-hmm. like, I want to move away because I want to go to school for what I want to go for. And his parents are like, no, Which you can't the, get the out Diggs of Brooklyn. How dare you? <laughs> Digs at Jersey are always great. But I just think it's, it's interesting seeing that growth from there. Right. And then they're all like, you're grounded. But then almost immediately after that, we have this really sweet conversation between miles and his mom where it's like, yeah, go. Yes, you're grounded, but I see that you really do like this girl, and I want you to be happy. Like, yes, you're growing up, and as a parent, I need to understand that. But, like, know that we're always here for you. Know that we love you. Now go before I change my mind. But (laughs) it's a very real family conversation, I feel like. And I love that about it, and it's so neat. And it makes you really want Miles to be able to save his dad. Oh, yeah. For sure. But I love the story in this movie. I do. Um, I wrote down like a very short list of the thing of the main topics I wanted to cover. They're very broad topics. One was animation styles. Two was casting. Three was story, and four was editing. But um, that's my kind of my take on story, right? I feel like it's yeah. a very wholesome yet tough story. I mean, I mean the 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 scene with uh, is it like a guidance counselor? Yeah, uh, and his parents are stalling it and talking. But when Miles does show up, and Miles is talking about all these different things that he wants to learn, and his dad is just in the background. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. 
Like just. <laughs> but it's support. He's there for it. Oh, it's it. amazing. It's great. He's one hundred percent in without knowing a, a thing, and, and yeah. it's great. I mean, he, in relation to like astrophysics and like multi universal stuff, him getting a B in Spanish. It's awesome. It's so funny. It's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know what? Let's uh, let's talk about that next thing on your list, though. Editing. Editing. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I want to hear your thoughts on editing. So, this movie took a while to finish being made, and it's all because of the editing that had to go into this movie. After everything was relatively animated at least a little bit everything was all the dialogue was recorded and everything like that right the editing took forever and they had a bunch of different editors one that i think is really cool that i saw after i saw the first after i saw the movie the first time is the lego scene oh um, i know exactly where you're going with this is yep was completely edited by a 14 year old and i think that that's just so cool that because he was good at what he did, he was given the opportunity to work on a Marvel film, essentially. Yeah. Uh, one, to this one of the caliber. Producers, yeah, one of the executive producers saw a one-to-one recreation of the Into the Spider-Verse trailer Yeah, uh, with Lego and was like, all right, well, why not? Let's mm-hmm. just do it. And I love that scene. I think it's so funny when Lego Peter Parker is pulling out his little wristband and he's going, boop, boop, in order for it to turn on and off. It's, so, it's just so goofy. Um, yeah. But I would, like... We've seen the Lego movies. We've seen the Batman Lego movie. We've seen all those different Lego movies. To be able to see some Lego in here, but not only Lego, was really cool, too. I really enjoyed that about it as well. On top of that, editing-wise, it took them four years, most of the time since the first movie came out, to edit just the Spider-Man scene with all of the Spider-Man and that fight sequence and that Miles running sequence and all of that. Four years for about five minutes of this two-and-a-half-hour-long movie. Yeah. And you feel it and it, it, it feels justified. Yeah. Like, like one of the things that crossed my mind when uh, I was watching this, maybe mm, I, I, th- I think right, right before Miles went into the actual like sanctum of Spider-Man, I thought like how, it, I want to word this right. You know how sometimes, like, with Marvel, especially recently, we get a lot of content and a lot of interesting ideas thrown out in that content, but, like, you kind of have to sift through it. Like, like Multiverse of Madness isn't a great film, but in that movie, there are a few really interesting ideas and a, mm-hmm. really, a bunch of really cool concepts. Yeah. This movie was 100% a passion project, and you can feel it, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they took these four years. I'm, you know, as much as I want part two to come out, um, and I know that there are a lot of people angry that it's a part one, part two, I'm glad that they're going to take the time that they're going to take with it. And if they have to push the movie back by a few months or a year, sure, take it, please do, you know, because at that point, you know, if they do take that time and, and they do take the love and care that they have with it, this might be a contender for one of the best trilogies ever made ever, you know? No, I totally, I totally agree with you. Um, like, I would, I would say that if the third movie is good, mm-hmm. this is going to be comparable to Lord of the Rings, it's, to Star Wars. Like, it's already on its way there. But yeah. if they stick the landing, mm-hmm. no, this and trilogy is my amazing. thing with Beyond the Spider Verse, the third movie in this trilogy that will come out, I'm only slightly concerned because it is set to release in 2024. It's set to release um, in March of 2024. Which I don't know how they're going to 
do that. I mean, they made it as a part one, part two. So a lot of the stuff is already designed. And like part of the reason why this film took four years is uh, a lot of characters took a lot of R&D time. Yeah. Like in in the first in into the Spider Verse, uh, to visually show Miles transitioning from you know being an okay, trying to do it kid to a superhero, mm-hmm. is they animate him on twos, and yeah. they have it so that you know the animation each frame does you know only two two frames take one motion of action in order for him to actually become, you know, Spider Man and become fluent in what he's doing. Spider-Punk, when he shows up in, in this film, he's animated on not only threes, but fours and fives. And the uh, animation that they had to come up with in order to show him as a 2D character in this 3D world took forever. Because it's really easy to make like a computer make something shiny and new and perfect. But to have animation software make something that isn't that, that's grungy, that's like ripped up paper... And then layer that on top of shiny and new and pretty. Exactly. Well, having the frame rates for each of these different characters moving at different speeds with different frame rates, it's insane. So a lot of what it took to make this movie work was a lot of R&D and a lot of making sure the animation worked and and making sure things like like Gwen's universe and and all the watercolors Mm -hmm. and all that, making it so that the animation worked as a complete concept film. Yeah. So... I think that they already have a lot of the groundwork done, but if they need to push it back, I hope they do. I'm so the reason why I don't know if they'll be able to get it done by March is because, and I could be wrong about this. It's just something I read, right? Um, but it's something I read somewhere that Haley Steinfeld, after this movie was released, had said that she hasn't recorded any of her lines for Beyond the Spider Verse. Yeah, she's a liar. And I'm hoping she's a liar, <laughs> right? I feel like that's not possible if it's set to come out in less than a year, but. If that's if that truly is the case, I hope that they push it back and they don't rush things and make it not the quality that it deserves to be based on the first yeah. two movies in this trilogy. Yep. Because it would be really sad if they don't stick the landing after two quality, quality stunts in this stunt epic that they have created so far. Yeah. Let's talk about the music real quick. Yeah. I So <laughs> the, music in the, the music in the first movie... Is awesome. I love that soundtrack. I love listening to it just on its own, but in the context of the movie, in the first movie, the music's awesome. So I was really excited coming into this one to see what the music was going to be, and I thought it was great. I thought they did a wonderful job with the music. Oh, the needle drops are on point. The yeah. fact that uh, I just found out, you know, you know, the scene where uh, in the first movie the guy points at like the street lamp, uh, and is like, "I think it's a Banksy." Apparently, that's Post Malone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. And it's also Post Malone in this movie, too. Oh, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But no, the the needle drops in this film are incredible. Just the use of music and the way that they convey everything going on in the movie with the music. It's phenomenal. And then the background music. Have you had a chance to listen to the album yet? No, I have not. The All right. I have to look up the title of this, so give me two seconds. That's fine. The music's awesome, though. Yeah, okay, so the two tracks are Spider-Man India uh, and uh, Mubatan Madness. Incredible. I, yeah. I listen to that when I'm driving to work. It, it hypes me cool. up. It is so good. That's oh awesome. my god, it's so much fun. Yeah, um, I mean, I love it in 
that scene just in that sequence in Mumbatan. It's so cool. So oh yeah, I'm sure just listening to it on its own, it sounds great too. Though, that's awesome. Yeah. And again, the animation style, blah, 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 blah. But the, the way that the music works with the animation. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, I know that that's like a weird comparison, but like they fit so perfectly together. Yeah. You know, like definitely. like they, fa- they found a way to match the audio to the visual experience. Yes. And they did a great job with it. And one thing you might uh, think is really neat. Uh, I think is the guy's name Sick Silk, something like that. He's a professional DJ. When the soundtrack was done, they printed the entire soundtrack out on vinyl and had him scratch it. So oh, all the cool. scratching isn't just added, you know, audio elements that, that seem to fit. No, this guy scratched the entire soundtrack. That's really cool. It's so cool, you know, because it, it makes it feel alive, you know? Yeah. No, the attention to detail in every aspect of this movie is really, really neat. And I love uh, it. Oh, uh, he's in the movie too, the guy that did that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the scene where Miles is backed up against the wall and all the Spider-Men are coming towards him, there's a guy that says, don't worry, he can't get out. Oh, is and that then, him? That's cool. That's him, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, let's talk about possibly my favorite part of this movie. And I okay. think you know what I'm going to bring up. Um, Do I know what you're going to bring up? I think so. I honestly, I'm not sure. Um. There's, I just, there's a lot of good parts of this movie. How could I? Know, I... I know, but my favorite part. Okay, tell me. This might be my favorite villain of all time. Oh, just the spot. The spot. Oh man, <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I think that one of the reasons why this movie is as good as it is, is because they didn't make the super villain of the movie a threat at the beginning of the movie. Oh, so not we at got all. to see his growth. We got to hear his story. We got to see him figure out how to use his powers. Just like in the first movie, we got to see Miles grow and learn how to use his powers. We got to see that on the villain side. We got to see him become this absolutely terrifying entity by the end of this movie. When, and now we'll I get am to that so second, afraid. I, but, I have something I want to talk about. But he's also really that. funny. Oh, he's hilarious. <laughs> um, wa- watching the trailers, I thought that Miguel was going to be the big bad. I thought yeah. that that's all it was going to be and that the spot showing up was going to be like, uh, you know, Miles calls him a villain of the week. Yeah. You know, oh, you're, you're just, you know, wow. You kind of suck, dude. Yep. You, you know, perfect. Absolutely perfect to have that become the massive problem oh, yeah. in this movie. For sure. I think what they did with the spot is really interesting. I don't know the spot very much from the comics or from TV shows. Honestly, this is the first time I can remember seeing him. Same. Um, but he gives me, especially now that like as the movie progresses, he consumes more and more dark matter and becomes this like almost opposite, just dark, massive dark matter. Oh, that he, he becomes things. this void of terrifying evilness. It very much reminds me of Mr. Negative just in general because the whole mm. idea of Mr. Negative is using that negative energy versus regular energy, right? So yeah. he's kind of got that vibe but in his own weird twisted way. And I don't know if that's intentional that they made him very Mr. Negative-esque or if that was just something that my mind's reading into because I know Mr. Negative more than I know the spot. But I think it's a cool observation nonetheless and He's very scary now because he can literally rip apart the entire multiverse just if he wants to. 
I'm going to be honest, I don't know Mr. Negative because I haven't seen the uh, the cartoons. Or not the cartoons. Okay. I haven't played the game. Um, sure. But what I do know is he reminds me a lot of this comic book, which is a an online comic uh, that I bought the book to called The Property of Hate uh, by uh, Sarah Jolly. Okay. I, I just want to show you... I know for like a podcast, it's not going to visually make it there, but I want I want to show you uh, a couple pictures out of this book because they are as terrifying as as I imagine the spot to be. So this is a good guy that's having something gone with him, but like, yeah, that's terrifying, right? Yes, like, just that is the terrifying. And, and that's this is all I could think is like the when the spot is for visual sake, when the spot is kind of stretching himself apart and like pulling into all these different multiverses at once as like one character, you get kind of this all encompassing, all powerful being that is there simply to accomplish like what it's trying to accomplish. Yeah. You know? And I think they do a really good job of portraying that simple little guy achieving that power. Yeah. All from a guy that got hit with a bagel. Brilliant! <laughs> it's inc- it's incredible. My my TikTok uh, like a week after the uh, movie came out, my TikTok was filled with nothing but Spider Man stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that people waited like a week before posting stuff. I'm glad that yeah. I saw the movie when I did, um, yeah. because I saw it on a Thursday, and it was that Friday that everything became Spider Man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. It really is. But yeah, no, he's an incredible villain. I'm. He's one of the reasons why, like, my hopes are very high for Beyond the Spider-Verse, amidst all the other things we've already talked about. But as a villain, I can't wait to see what kind of overarching ending fight that becomes, because he seems impossible, but in a very... I'm sure there'll be something, and it'll be the whole strike force that Gwen has assembled to kind of save Miles that... So Figures it's it funny out. that it's funny that you mentioned that because I heard somebody talking about how this film could go, and again, this is just speculation for Beyond the Spider Verse. Uh, they were saying that they could take care of the spot in the first twenty minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. and be perfectly set with villains for the rest of it, because you oh, have yeah. Miguel. And let's talk about the end of the movie. Let's let's just jump to the end of the movie. Sure, yeah. And we have the Prowler. Mm-hmm. What a reveal, dude. I when I tell you that I was so shocked at all of that, I'm not exaggerating at all. So my jaw hit I, the floor with the yeah. Gwen with Gwen saying he's in the wrong universe. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh what? <laughs> so that's just like the whole mood ring world, that's one of the things that I wanted to look for um when I went to see it the second time because I knew it was coming, right? So I wanted to see if during that whole sequence of him being teleported back to his quote unquote, his universe, if there was any indication that that could happen, that it would show, Oh, he's going to the wrong earth, that he's going to earth 42 instead of earth 1610 or whatever his is. Um, And yes, there is 
because it literally says it goes it goes off of your DNA, right? It goes off of mm-hmm. the DNA that is put into you based on the spider. So we all know that the spider that bit Miles was not from his Earth, and that's fine. It's not because he's the original anomaly. Thank you, mm-hmm. Miguel, for that shocker of a twist as well. That saying that out loud just like gave me goosebumps. <laughs> like when Miguel <laughs> shouted that at him, I was like, "Holy crap!" That's something I didn't really think about either, but it makes sense. But it does, because as it's computing where to take him, it literally says Earth-42 on a screen. But in the moment, especially that first time, I didn't notice. Yeah. I didn't register no. that. Completely My brain didn't pick that up at all. And so going in and being like, okay, Miguel's in this world looking for Miles. Scarlet Spider's outside his room. We know Miles is going there. And then Gwen takes care of Scarlet Spider, played by Andy Samberg, by the way, and I love that. I would love to, (laughs) side note really quick, I would love to go to Scarlet Spider's world and see what that's animated as because of just how he's depicted. And it's so funny. So, so overdramatic. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, Gwen takes him out. I'm like, oh, perfect. Miles can get in there. And then Gwen's outside the window. You think she's eavesdropping on the conversation Miles is having with his parents. And then there are little things. I mean, it goes back to the editing you were talking about. Yeah. And there are just little things in each of those two Earths that are slightly different, right? Yes, it's raining in both. Yes, it's kind of dark in both. Um, One thing I noticed the second time, though, is his mom's eyes are different. Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh. Because in original Miles Morales' Earth 1610, she's got brown eyes like Miles does. In Earth-42, she's got bright green eyes. So that's another, like, indicator. And I didn't notice that the first time either. But it is interesting. And so, like, all those different little things, right? I was like, just the subtle things that if you do pick up on it, you're like, oh, crap, he's in the wrong world before it's said to you. But if you don't pick it up, you have that impact of Gwen going, he's in the wrong universe. And then you start to panic. Um, And it's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Watching it the second time, though, that shock, I still felt that even though I knew it was coming, right? Just because mm-hmm. the buildup, the anticipation, the moment when his mom's like, who the heck is Spider-Man? What are you talking about? I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> like, that doesn't though, make any uh, sense. I, I think it's really funny they continued the joke of Miles not knowing what Comic-Con is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It was awesome. Uh, but seeing uh, seeing his Uncle Aaron show up again. Mm-hmm. And, and just the, uh. <laughs> and then the reveal of his dad's dead in Earth Forty Two because there's no Spider Man to keep it safe. And seeing all the fires mm-hmm. in the city when he steps outside and just that holy crap. So again, speculation and ideas. I know he's portrayed and shows up as a bad guy, especially with the way that Aaron throws the punch at the punching bag, and it looks like Miles. I is thought just he was dead. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> That was so scary to me. I was like, what in the world? Yeah, there's like, no way, no way. I mean, you you did it, but did you? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, here's an idea for you. Okay. They're hiding in the shadows, right? Because yeah. there's no Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And you hear J. Jonah Jameson, uh, which, correct me if I'm wrong, that's J.K. Simmons, right? Oh, yeah, it's always J.K. Simmons. Good. And he's talking about the Sinister Six. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the Prowler's talking about, like, security stuff. Granted, he could easily be a bad guy. Heck, he could be the antagonist of Beyond the Spider-Verse for all we know. I'm sure but, he will be a major part of it, yeah. Well, no, I'm saying like he could be like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But like, what if he's taken the role of the Spider-Man in that universe? 
but as the Prowler. Yeah. Because that's what Aaron, Uncle Aaron has taught him. But instead. but I mean, like, so, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, if his dad's gone, and, and so he takes over as, like, a positive thing, so the Prowler's actually a good guy in this universe. You know, because, like, why would you hide in a universe of crime if you're just going to commit a crime by doing a bank heist? Yeah. I don't I mean, know. granted, again, could easily be the super antagonist of, of the uh, Beyond the Spider-Verse, or yep. could be a friend. Who knows? Yeah. There's so many things that could happen. Yeah. I'm curious to see how much of the movie takes place in Earth-42 versus Earth-1610 also. Because, like, yes, yeah. the spot is in Miles' home world, but Miles is in Earth-42, and he's seen the chaos that is there because they don't have a Spider-Man. And there is a Sinister Sticks that was just brought up by J.K. Simmons, mm-hmm. J. Jonah Jameson, in that world. Does he work with Prowler Miles? I don't know. There's lots of questions I have and no answers, and I can't wait to find out Yeah, just in general. Yeah. I have one last thing I want to talk about, uh, unless you okay, have other great. stuff you want to talk about. Go for it. Okay. Who was your favorite Spider-Man in this movie? Um, because mine was Hobie Brown. Hobie's so cool. Hobie's so and, and but like so cool. <laughs> so cool. Um, I mean, granted, I love Mayday's a close I, second, but Hobie Brown, the way that he's animated, <laughs> the way that he's shown, the the way that he shows up, but more importantly, they set up this whole thing of like when Gwen mentions him and saying like, "Oh, and Hobie, you'd love Hobie." I crash in his universe sometimes. It's like, oh, so, oh, you're wearing his shoes. Like, like, it sets up this real easy love triangle. And mm. when I say real easy love triangle, I mean, like, it beats you over the head with, like, how much it's setting up these two to be against each other, you know, for Gwen's affection. Yeah. But, no, it, it he shows up, and the first thing he does is help Miles. Like, oh, don't use your fingertips. Use the palm of yeah, your hand. Yeah, he gives him pointers. He mm-hmm. teaches him. He makes him better. And, and he's second... on Miles' side oh. literally the entire time, which well, the... is so cool to me. He's going through pulling out little pieces to build his own bracelet. And yeah. then uh, when Miguel starts revealing stuff, Hobie's like, oh, yeah, this system's corrupt too. Cool. Miles, I'm breaking you out and I'm leaving. Bye. Yep. <laughs> That's it. That's And it's awesome. Hobie's super, super cool. In a funny way, I really liked Web Slinger. Just because that was so funny. He was the one on the horse with oh, the mask. Uh, yeah. That just cracked me up. <laughs> um, just a horse that shoots spider webs. And then he had a pistol that shot like web bullets, which was super yep. cool. Not actually my favorite, but just like a goofy one that I really liked. I... Uh, favorites are so hard to pick. I mean, um, there's, like we said, there are too many Spider-Men in this movie. Yeah. Um, Mayday, I'm excited about Baby Spider. Uh, very cool as well. That was super fun. I, yeah, wh- I really when... liked... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, the, the moment when Peter B. Parker is has caught up to Miles and not has him trapped because I don't think he realizes that they're tracking his bracelet. I don't think tra- so. And, like, I don't think he realizes how not okay Miles is in that moment. But the way that he tries to calm him down saying, hey, look... You're not an anomaly. Like you're, you're not the problem. You actually caused Mayday. <laughs> you know, yeah. like Mayday. Wouldn't you made be here me want you. to have a kid because I want her to be I mean, like he you. Drastically improved his life, trying to show Miles, like, hey, you don't suck. You're actually, you are supposed to be here, and here's yeah. living proof. You know, um, yeah. 
And so, like, Peter is, like, trying to help, but, like, the moment when Gwen finally decides to go, oh, Miguel's wrong, and she shows up at Peter's uh, apartment at the end, and Mayday pulls down the little hood. Yeah. I was was cackling in the theater. It was great. It was awesome. I love it. Yeah, I love, so just in general, I love the whole team that she has assembled to go and try and help Miles in the next movie. Um, I'm glad that we're going to have more noir. I'm glad we're going to have more Peter Porker. I'm glad (laughs) we're going to have the original group back, plus Hobie and um, the um, cyber spider and all of them as well, because they're all the people that helped throughout this movie. And so I think that's going to be really, really cool to see. I it's like it is cliche for me to pick Gwen as my favorite spider from this movie, but totally seeing justified. her growth and seeing her character arc, which is the whole point of this movie. This is like her movie, mm-hmm. right? The first one was Miles's movie. This one is basically her movie. Yeah, and watching her grow and learn and understand where she had her faults and how she could fix what she started. I mean, she was so terrified about the canon that she just didn't go back to her universe. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. And just facing her dad in general. Yeah. That on top of being on Miguel's side, but also like clearly like loving Miles in whatever way that love is, and that's to be determined. But like just in general, like seeing how much she does care about her family and her friends. Like I said, that's like the whole idea of this movie, I think, is to show how important family and friends is. And her character arc demonstrates that like to a T where she learns that throughout because at first she's distant at first she's not around any of them because she doesn't want to cause anything to be a problem she doesn't want to make things happen she doesn't want to deal with her feelings about it um but then as the movie progresses she does go see miles even though she's not supposed to she does have nice conversations with him then she does go back and see her dad and resolve that and he says that he's quitting the police force so he can support her another family thing and then she goes at the end of the movie to miles's parents even though he's not there and she says i messed up but i'm gonna fix it and he loves you guys and Mm -hmm. that's like that's super impactful and i think that her growth is just something that i really loved so i'm gonna i'm just gonna cliche go with gwen's my favorite you're you're not wrong she's phenomenal in this movie and real quick you were just talking about that scene with her dad her dad is also set up to be the one-note police captain who's, you know, against Spider-Man and all that. And the way that they show him as human and, and some, of, like, some of his lines, especially at the end after Gwen is like, so arrest me. You know, yeah. and, and he goes through and talking about like his thought process and all that stuff. It's incredible. You know, yeah. I, I definitely felt myself getting caught up a little bit. Mm-hmm. If I had one slight downside on this movie... It is kind of the like the emotional factor, right? I feel like there's not a whole whole lot of like heavy emotional moments in this movie. I don't think there needs to be. Like, yes, there are sweet moments. There's some like terrifying moments. There's some moments that make you get all tense. But compared to like every Marvel movie that's come out recently, I feel like there's been like that big emotional beat. Like Black Panther had a bunch of it. Um, guardians just had a ton of it like yeah. this didn't really have that 
but I don't think it needed to because they're setting up Beyond the Spider-Verse. And oh, I feel like there's going to be way for... too much of it in Beyond the Spider-Verse, so it, yeah. that's okay. Uh, I was just about to say, this is definitely a part one of a part two story. Yes. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very scared for Beyond the Spider-Verse in that sense, but yeah, if I were looking for something else to be in this movie, it would just be a little bit more of that. But knowing that there's another part coming and this set up a ton of stuff for that, it's not something that really detracts from the movie, I don't think, either. Yeah. So. Real quick, movie experience. I want to talk about mine first, because I know you want to talk about yours. Yes, I do. Go for it. So, as of recording, uh, yesterday, they put out a new release of the film digitally to theaters, to ones that can accept digital film, or they sent out practical film. I don't know mm -hmm. how it works. I'm not in... Uh, room. Anyway, back on track. They sent out a remixed audio experience of this film because the way that this film was supposed to be played in theaters was to play at 7. Like mm -hmm. a, a setting, of, a very high sound, but it's it set at such a way that you would still be able to hear the dialogue and you'd be able to experience all that. But a lot of movie theaters didn't change the volume settings in their theaters. Mm -hmm. And I definitely experienced it at the theater that I went to. And yep, it, made, it made me think two things. One, I'm, I'm glad that they're sending it out and going, you know what, movie theaters aren't going to change for us. We'll send the film out to, you know, be heard as we wanted it, wanted it to be heard. But I kind of hope, and I don't know how you do this aside from, like, putting it on, like, the back of people's chairs or setting up something, like, at the top or bottom of the screen. I would love for there to be subtitles as, like, a thing that you can have in a movie theater. There are some theaters that can have there, subtitles. There are some, and there are but, some but theaters mean, like, that I, I do specific that. specific movies with subtitles for people who want them. Yeah. Um, there are so many less viewings of that, and exactly. that's fine, but it is a thing that I know some theaters have every once in a while for some movies. Right, but I, I would love for it to be a little bit more mainstream, just because I know a lot of people that do like having subtitles. And like, in the theater that I was in, uh, it was, I think it was the scene right where, yeah, right where uh, Gwen's dad um, is trying to arrest her and he shoots the gun and, and, it, and it, it's, you know, your mm -hmm. heart kind of stops for a second like, oh, this is, this is not good. You, you know, yeah. like it's very, very emotionally raw. And all of a sudden I hear this bag crinkling behind me and full on open and this person trying to reach it and grab a chip and you heard every crinkle of the bag. It was like, well, okay. <laughs> and and, it, and it's yeah, like, you know, I know. You know how like some people are like cognizant of it. So like I myself, if I have snacks or I have something that I know is going to make noise, I'll open it either before the movie starts mm. or if I forget, I'll wait until like the middle of an action scene. Yeah, and then I'll exactly. try and be quick about it. You know, something yep. where the there's loud volume. But um, that's how I feel about if I have to cough or sneeze. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, <laughs> let it happen at the right time. Exactly, yeah, I get that. So uh, that that was kind of like my thoughts on like the movie experience. I'd love subtitles and like the couple crinkling here happened there and there. John, what happened during your theater? Because oh, let me real tell quick, you. I, I I I just want to read this out loud. Okay. Um, great. <laughs> when when did you see it? Uh, let's see here. I saw it opening weekend. Okay. Uh, okay. You saw it opening weekend. 
the first text I get from you, because uh, I knew that you were going to go see the movie, um, I, and I knew the movie ended because I got a text from you. I opened the text and I see, I want to punch some teens, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> I kid you not, comma, the all caps worst theater experience I've ever had. The movie, though, question mark? Holy sh**. No punctuation. Uh, that's all I'm going to say, period. But I definitely want to talk about it. Ha ha. <laughs> so John, uh, yeah. tell me so, tell me what happened. Okay, so I uh I knew going opening weekend there was gonna be a ton of people, but like I'm in it for the people for like opening weekend of a big blockbuster movie that's coming out, right? Opening weekend is the only time where I'm okay where people like clap and cheer unless it's yeah. like a game or something. But like like think like when we went to go see uh No we, Way we Home. We saw Spider Man No Way Home and it was packed and everybody was in it to win mm-hmm. it. And Cheering, as soon as booing, Andrew Garfield clapping. appeared, Toby Toby Maguire appeared, we were like, Yeah, woo all that stuff, right? We were cheering, we it's were one, so excited. It's one of the only times I've ever heard a crowd do the the uh the sound bite ooh sound. Yeah. Where uh-huh. everybody makes that sound. Yeah. Yeah. But this movie experience in a packed theater was very different from that. Mm. Um I had so I was in, like, I bought one of the seats that wasn't a handicapped seat, but in the handicapped row, right? So they had some specific non-handicapped seats in that row still just because, but it was one of the open seats that I could pick that wasn't completely surrounded by people. So I was like, I'll grab that one. That's fine. But then as the movie started, I checked just to make sure that there weren't any people coming to take the other seats in that row, in the handicapped row. So I moved, like, to the center because I was like, I might as well just sit in the middle, because no one's going to sit here. There's no handicapped people sitting here. There's no one taking this seat, so I'm going to sit there. So I did that, and then as the movie's starting, this like group of 10 teens, like I don't know their age exactly, but they had to be like 13 to 16 maybe, right? Um, they weren't very old nonetheless. They all come in. There are some in the row behind me to the left of me, and then there are some in the seats, probably someone in the seat that I actually paid for because there was a lot of them. And there was definitely at least one kid just on the ground. So my guess is that they were just movie hopping from Mm -hmm. theater to theater at different times just to see different parts of different movies, which, one, why do you want to do that to yourself? I guess it's so you could be cool, but, like, watch watch an entire movie. Otherwise, you're not going to know what's going on in any of the ones you're going to sit in on. But they were constantly in and out of the theater. They were walking in, walking out, walking in, walking out. But the part that annoyed me the most wasn't the getting up and getting down and moving around. It was the, in a sentimental, heartfelt moment of this movie, they all took it upon themselves to start, like, making moaning noises, to start yelling, shut up at each other, to start just being like, making all these stupid comments back and forth across the movie theater from each other. Because there was 10 of them. They were in probably two or three different rows. So they're just doing what they're doing. And I'm literally right next to all of them. But me, just being an adult by myself, I don't have the right to go up to these children and be like, I need yeah. you guys to stop. Like, in a essentially a quote-unquote kids movie, right? Like, it's an animated Spider-Man movie. Um, yeah. But they didn't have any parents with them. There was no one regulating them at all. And I'm like, why is this what's happening? So in terms of movie theater experience... It was not the way that I wanted to experience this movie the first time I saw it. (laughs) Because all of that was happening during the sentimental scene between Miles and his mom. 
Oh. <laughs> and I, I missed half of what she said to him because I was so distracted. So I'm glad I got to see it a second time and actually hear those those words because oh, they were very well, nice I mean, to hear. That conversation um, <laughs> is like the heart of the movie. So. Yeah, exactly. And they were the worst. Um, oh, man. So when I say worst theater experience that I've ever had, I'm dead serious about it because it was not good. <laughs> Yikes. So I would have taken all the little bag crinkles over that. But, yeah, um, no, fair. <laughs> I'm definitely second time gonna go... watching it, phenomenal. There was no issues watching it the second time, so it was great. I'm definitely going to go see this movie again uh, in theaters, yeah. just because this is one of those movies that watching it in theaters feels impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I can't wait for the third one to come out and then just be able to have the whole trilogy and just watch it. I want some theater somewhere. I will pay money. I will take a day off of work. I want to watch all three back to back to back. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that would be incredible. Cool. Yeah. Um, I was a little bummed that there was no post-credit scene. I was surprised. I apparently there was originally one involving the spot. Okay. Uh, but considering but I, the I fact think... that it is a direct continuation, it makes sense that there's no post-credit scene because there's no yeah. passage of time. There's no waiting in between. It's just going to be pick up from where we left off. And if it's not, I don't understand how that works. So I feel I, like it has to be. And if they if they spent the time to animate it and complete it, it'll be included as bonus content uploaded somewhere at some time. Yeah. The credits the credits look really good too though. And and the yeah, way too. that the music builds and builds and builds, especially with Gwen's drumming in the background, like how the movie starts. Yeah. To the music that they chose for the credits. Somber. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was great. It was fantastic. I have to ask, did you sit and wait through the credits for an end credit scene? I waited until the credit crawl. However, uh, as soon as the credits started rolling, I immediately looked up to see if it had a post-credit okay. scene. Cool. I um, was going to say, because every, literally every movie, it doesn't have to be a Marvel movie. It doesn't have to be anything. I will look up. Yep. This movie, post-credit scene, question mark, yep. and just look and see, because I'm like... Every movie does it now, so... Yeah, should, should I stick around? Should I not? Marvel yeah. created this thing that's so unnecessary for movies, mm -hmm. but it's a thing that everyone does now. So I, I was surprised that Across the Spider-Verse didn't have it, but I'm okay with it, because it says to be continued, and that's it. So it yeah. makes sense. And I think uh, this movie, in the same way of like talking about like uh, A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place Part 2, and... Halloween and Halloween 2. And I, I know we talked about trilogies, but as far as like complete sit down experiences watching one, like watching it as one film back to back, mm -hmm. I'm excited. Yeah. I can't it's wait. It's going to be cool. I agree. All right, Colin. Ratings. Ratings. I know what you're going to say, so go for it. Well, no, you got to go first. That's how it works. That's oh, well, I already told time. you well, that I probably hated this movie, so. I mean, given the last however long we've been talking about this. I get Gratefully it. so, I can only say that this movie deserves a 5 out of 5. Yeah. 5 out of 5. Done. It's with I, a I... heavy heart and a sad face that I have to say <laughs> that. No. no, this movie is freaking awesome. It's a complete movie. It's it like I So at the top of this episode, I said I wasn't sure going in how they were going to top into the Spider-Verse. And they yeah. were going to have to do something to blow me away. And man, did they blow me away. They set the bar impossibly high for the next movie. Yeah. And but they did the exact same thing with Into the Spider Verse and Two Across the Spider Verse. So you yeah. know what? Yeah, I'm ready. Again, delay my the only movie concern. If you have to. 
that's that's the thing. My only concern is that the release is very very short after this one. Mm-hmm. But if they have a lot of this stuff already figured out, that shouldn't be an issue. And because it was originally supposed to be and across the Spider-Verse Part 1, across the Spider-Verse Part 2 anyway, mm-hmm. we knew that it was going to be some sort of continuation. So I'm hoping that that's not an issue. And my hopes are very high for that movie. Yeah. So I just, like I said, I hope they stick the landing. Yeah, but uh, 5 out of 5. Yeah, both e- of these movies were Easily awesome. a, a contender for best film of the year. Um, easily a contender for best film I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. I don't like to let other films change how I feel about other films, mm-hmm. but depending on how Beyond the Spider Verse is, yeah, this could. This is one of the best movies I've ever seen. That's fair. I will say, I'm. Never mind. It doesn't matter. No, no, um, no say it. No, it's okay. It's it's say something it we can talk about later. Oh, no, no, say it if, even if you cut it. So, I was thinking about this before too, like earlier this week. Of the movies that I've seen so far this year, I think that overall they've been just at like a higher quality, better level than a lot of the movies I saw last year. Not all of the movies. I saw some decent movies, but like I feel like this year when we do our top five of 2023, it's going to be a much harder decision for me to decide my top five than last year was. I think in the same way, this is going to be a, a weird cut to go around, but it does have an end point we are seeing the same effects that COVID had on theme parks to COVID uh, affecting um, Mm -hmm. movies. Yeah. Like when COVID happened and COVID was happening, a lot of the movies that were coming out the first year were already done sitting on shelves, waiting to get shipped out or were being finished up by VFX artists who could work at home and, and people, you know, the, the things that had to get done weren't difficult to do with people working remotely. No. I mean, it changed up the workflow and, you know, a couple things had to get changed around and maybe some stuff didn't get done to the level that people wanted it to. But for the most Mm -hmm. part, the movies were done. So the movies that came out in like 2020 were actually pretty decent. 2021, we started to see the effects of COVID really affecting it. 2022, those were movies that were made during COVID. You know, like like Doctor Strange was all made during COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, and And I think we really saw an effect on that throughout the whole industry or like, Movies that are studios that had held their films during COVID, like they knew that this film was going to be really good. You know, like like you had some yeah. studios that just couldn't hold the movie back anymore. Like a lot of movies got delayed and a lot of movies rightfully got delayed. Um, mm-hmm. That way they could be better. But when COVID just continued as long as it did, it really affected the um, movie industry. You saw the yeah. same thing in theme parks where like, you know, you have a whole lot of really cool roller coasters and a lot of really cool rides opening in 2020. And then 2021, some uh, some really cool stuff. But 2022, not really much of note. I mean, there were a few rides that were definitely of note. But for the most part, a lot of parks decided to hold back on their investments. Yeah. Uh, 2023, you see some parks starting to invest. 2024, it's looking like there's going to be some major investments. Mm-hmm. So like within the, the movie industry, I think 2023 is the beginning of a wave of really incredible projects. Yep. that were going to be started and going to be released, but just didn't due to COVID. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. I think that's a totally fair assumption. I'm just excited for this. The Like, even just the second half of this year's movies 
at this point because there's a oh, lot of good stuff still coming in. I, we've got I'm, Indiana Jones. We've got yeah. I, I I guess the Flash, but that's I just <laughs> I'm bummed about Ezra Miller, but I'm excited to see the movie still. We've got I have um, the day off the Marvels. We've got. I'm, I have a day off requested for a Barbie movie and Oppenheimer back to back. I think I'm going to do Oppenheimer first. I'm so excited for both those of those. Those are going to be awesome too. Uh, Call me by your name from A24. Apparently, mm-hmm. that's supposed to be horrifying. Yeah. Uh, there's a new Saw movie coming out. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> that's my only question. But but I I mean just in terms of the like there's a bunch of just yeah. really good movies coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Another um, Mission Impossible movie. Um, uh, another part one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we we had Fast X part one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> then we'll have Dead Reckoning part one. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff happening. So I'm excited to see where by December the two of us are at movie-wise. Because like, if I stopped right yeah. now, I could give you a top five of the movies I've seen. In in any order, I don't know, but like I could give you like my three favorites for sure. Yeah. I don't know that they're all going to be there by the time this year's done, though. Oh, uh, movies that already came out that are contenders again, like uh, John Wick Chapter 4. John Wick's up there. Wow. The D&D Super movie. Mario's up there. Super Mario Brothers, yeah. It, D&D, it's... Guardians. Mm-hmm. The, I don't this... know what the end of the year's going to bring, though. <laughs> so <laughs> we're only halfway there. I have no idea. We're not even halfway there yet. That's true. We've got three more <laughs> movies this this month that could, could potentially be contenders yeah. coming out. So, who the heck knows? Um, but I'm here for it. Oh, I'm excited for the quality movies. So, absolutely. Yeah, and with that, hopefully you've enjoyed what you've heard today. Uh, and if you did, don't forget to rate us five stars on whatever podcast listening place you like to use. And if you didn't enjoy what you heard today, uh, well. Miguel's going to call you an anomaly and send literally all of the spider people after you. So uh, good luck. And then you'll have to jump from miles in the sky off of a speeding train to your death. Ooh, <laughs> that was brutal. Sorry. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so to avoid that, uh, go give us that five-star rating uh, under threat of death. Uh, there are new episodes of the Other Brothers podcast every Tuesday, kind of. We're, we're working on it. Yeah, every Tuesday, every other Tuesday. It depends on life, but that's the goal. Um, If you have any suggestions for what we should review next, you can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at OtherBrosPod. And most importantly, tell your friends about us. Uh, uh, I I feel like since we started kind of recording these, we've definitely grown from just being a synopsis, you know, book report of each movie to a conversation. This podcast and this recording of of Across the Spider-Verse felt very much like a conversation we'd love you guys to join us in that conversation yeah definitely so with that i've been john i've been colin thank you for listening to another episode of the other brothers podcast and we will see you guys next time adios amigos